Welcome to the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Hometown Ticketing is proud to be the exclusive sponsor of the UIAAA Connection Podcast and to provide schools nationwide with the best options for digital ticketing for their events. Visit their website at hometownticketing.com to learn how they can make digital ticketing possible and simple at your school. Thank you to Hometown Ticketing for their exclusive sponsorship of the UIAAA Connection Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the UIAAA Connection. I'm your host, Mark Hutch Hunter. Today, we are pleased to have as our guest, Ted Bianco, CAA, Athletic Director at Juan Diego Catholic High School. Ted, how are you? Welcome to the program. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Let's begin by having you share with our audience where you grew up, where you went to college, maybe your first job, all that type of stuff. I was uh, born in Florence, Colorado, where I was adopted. My, my uh, adopted mother was from Price, so we moved back to Price when I was four years old. And uh, I grew up in Carbon County, attended uh, Carbon High School and the College of Eastern Utah, and then went on to uh, Southern Utah University uh, to get my degree, uh, my bachelor's degree. Uh, my first job brought me back to Price uh, as an assistant women's basketball coach at the College of Eastern Utah, working for Dave Parr. Uh, a lot of good things happened to me at that place. And then I moved on to uh, uh, Carbon High School for a 25-year career as a, as a basketball coach, uh, math teacher, athletic director, uh, kind of the jack of all trades while I was there. Uh, and then I retired at the end of last school year to, to take this job. At Juan Diego. So was Charlene Dupin there, or did you replace her when you went to Carbon as the AD? Char Charlene Dupin was a teacher there uh, while I was a student there. She was the AD up until she retired around the year 2002, I believe, is the year she retired. Uh, then Jeff Jorgensen took over for her, and uh, I took over when Jeff retired in 2011 from that position. So Excellent. good people, followed some big shoes while I was there. It was a good experience for me. What about uh, touchdown Tony Pinedo? Did you know him? Oh, absolutely. We had uh, we had us a nice little table in the lunchroom that we always ate ate at. It was called the Coach's Corner. Uh, Tony Pinedo and a bunch of us uh, we had a good time together. And and Tony was actually the AD for a year or two before uh, Charlene Dupin took the position. But um, uh, Tony, he's a great man. I worked with him for several years and enjoyed every minute of it. Excellent. Uh, share with our audience any uh, youth sports that you had growing up in Carbon. Well, let me ask you this other question first. So, because I have no idea how old Ron Morelli is, but he went to Carbon also. Were you in the same class or different years? I, I don't know how old he is. So, Ron Morelli's much, much older than I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I believe he graduated in 1982. Uh, so, he was gone before I got there, and I graduated in 1985. Uh, okay. So, he, but. Uh, uh, Ron's a good man. I enjoyed working with Ron. Great man. Talk about then uh, your time in, in youth sports. Maybe you had a, some college sports background and what eventually, I know you started coaching there at, uh, at Carbon High. What eventually led you to take the athletic director job? So for me, uh, my path is probably different than a lot of people that are in the position that I currently have. Um, I grew up on a, on my grandpa's farm. So we spent most of our days and evenings working there as kids. And then when I got in high school, uh, I had a high school coach by the name of Mike Kernodal, 
who eventually moved on to East High School, was their girls soccer coach, boys soccer coach, and football coach for a while. Uh, great man. Uh, he got me involved in sports, and I, I, I found a love of it because it, it was that feeling of belonging that, that made that so important to me. And, and had it not been for that man, I probably would have went down a, the wrong path and gotten into some trouble that I probably never should have got into. So I, I, I credit him with a lot of what happened to me in my life. Uh, and so he got me involved uh, as a manager on his football team and his basketball team. And, and eventually I got a scholarship to go to the College of Eastern Utah because of that. Uh, where I worked as uh, a student, as uh, a student manager for the, the men's basketball team and an assistant student trainer for the athletic uh, trainer who was there at the time. Uh, so that kind of got me involved in sports in a different way. Um, and then Ronnie Stubbs uh, came to me. He was the basketball coach there for a few years uh, while I was there. And uh, he asked me if I would like to help him coach because he had just taken over. Kurt Jensen, the longtime coach that had been there, great man, great uh, athlete at the University of Utah, uh, had stepped down to become the athletic director during midseason, and he needed some help. So he asked me to help him, and uh, I actually spent an extra year there helping him before he moved on to Southern Utah, and uh, that paid dividends for me. And, and if it hadn't have been for those two coaches, I probably wouldn't be where I'm sitting today. Uh, Ronnie helped me get a, a scholarship to Southern Utah University. Uh, where I got to work in Neil Roberts's program with him and Steve Hodson. And uh, it was a great experience for me. I, uh, I learned a lot from those coaches and, and I got a scholarship to do that also. So my scholarship didn't come from being a, a great athlete or anything like that. And I don't know how many basketball coaches that want a five foot three guy on their team, but <laughs> there's a lot of things I could do that, uh, that I learned real quick that uh, if given the opportunity, I could have success at. And that kind of moved me on that path. Uh, I, I knew I wanted to coach. Uh, so I got my teaching certificate and uh, uh, was able to get a job at the College of Eastern Utah working for Dave Parr in the women's basketball program. Um, had, had a lot of fun working for him, learned a ton from that man. Uh, and then a, an opportunity arose at uh, Carbon High School where I spent the last 25 years uh, working for them. And uh, I was 11 years as the head boys basketball coach, 10 years as the girls, uh, and then also 10 years as their athletic director. So I had a very, in my opinion, a very fulfilling career and, and uh, had a lot of opportunities there, which led to this great opportunity that I'm currently in. Okay, well then let me, well, before I go to the next question, let me tie in this, this point that's a little bit later on. So talk about the move then from your years and years in a public school and maybe some of the differences or, or maybe it wasn't a big difference as you moved into the private school setting. I, I'm, I'm learning a lot. There are a lot of differences between public schools and, and private schools. Probably the biggest dif difference is the, is there's a lot more bureaucracy at a, at a public school that, that public schools have to deal with. Uh, you know, private schools were, we're in the business of educating kids. And so I think we have a little more freedom to do some things uh, to, to help our students be successful academically. And, and this particular school, as, as you well know, is, is well known for its academic standards. And Absolutely. Uh, these, these, kids, these kids work hard every day. I mean, they, they take a full load and they, you know, academics have to come first or they won't get to do the things, the fun things that they get to do with athletics. And for a lot of these kids, um, athletics is kind of an out, you know, a, a way to get away from the rigors of the day to, to go release some energy and, and they do a really good job of it. So 
I've been really impressed with what I've seen here. Uh, you know, and, and I had a great experience in public education, uh, but that's probably the main difference is, is the lack of bureaucracy and, and the things that go on in a, in a regular public school. Uh, if it's too bad, people that run public education don't take a better look at what goes on in private schools to, to maybe model some of the things that they do. I hear you. So let's go back. I know you mentioned Mike Kernodal earlier on, but maybe mention some of the other mentors, uh, teachers, or coaches that you had uh, in your career. Well, Ronnie Stubbs, of course, and Dave Parr. I mentioned yeah. them. Um, those three, those three, three were extremely significant figures in my life moving forward. Uh, but I also had, uh, you know, people like Charlene Dupin. Uh, Charlene Dupin is the athletic director at Carbon High. Uh, when I first started working there, she was she she taught me a lot about how to be organized and to get things going for the sports that I was coaching. She she helped me a lot my first two years as the boys coach. Um, she was there with any questions that I had and, and really taught me what it meant to have somebody in that leadership role to help a new coach coming in as to what the things that had to be done on a daily basis in order to have success. Uh, you know, and then Jeff Jorgensen in that same role later on. Uh, he picked up right where she left off, and, and, and he taught me a lot as I moved in to replace him as, as what the job was really going to be like. And uh, he, I mean, he was he was fantastic in that transition for me. Uh, and then up here at Juan Diego, uh, Chris Long. Uh, Chris Long was, I mean, he was really instrumental in helping me uh, decide to take this position. And uh, he has been he has been super super helpful with some any question that I have. Uh, anytime you replace some people, if you replace somebody like that, it, it makes a big difference in your life. And uh, I, I can't thank all of those people enough for, for where I'm at today. Thank you. Talk to the, you became an AD 10 years ago and talk to the difference of how an athletic administrator now may be different than when you first started 10 years ago. Well, you think about it. Uh, and probably the biggest difference that, that has occurred that's changed all of our all of our lives is technology. Uh, the technology that we mm. technology that we have with Register My Athlete and Arbiter Sports. In some ways, it's made it easier, but in other ways, it's it's also made it a little more difficult. Uh, there's more things to keep track of now than what there used to be. Uh, coaching certification is a huge thing that's been added to that, and and it's organized things in a way that it's much easier for me to keep track of that kind of stuff. Uh, but it has added more duties to the list of what an athletic director already had to do. Um, so I, I think we're a lot busier today than probably what we were 10 years ago uh, with keeping track of kids, keeping track of coaches. Uh, the education part of our job uh, has changed a lot with the environment of our society. Um, and, and I think it's important that all of our coaches understand that that's for a reason. Uh, it's to protect them and the school uh, from anything that, that may arise throughout your, your career. So for me, uh, that's been the biggest change for me is, is the amount of technology that we use in our job on a daily basis and how it's, it's streamlined some things and it it's really has added a lot of different things to, to, to the aspects of our jobs. What's one thing you wish you had known uh, when you began your career that you, that you didn't know? Well, I'll tell you what, probably the biggest thing I wish I'd have known is that I would have had a heart attack eight years into my uh, 
coaching career as, as a head basketball coach at Carbon High. I probably would have done things a little bit differently, maybe take a little bit care, better care of myself. As you know, the stress of coaching and, and being an administrator can get to you. And I, and I think I've learned how to deal with that a lot better since that had happened. And maybe that was a blessing in disguise for me. Uh, but it, you know, if you had a crystal ball and you could see how stress and, and the job that you're involved with can affect your life, I think that would be one thing that I would have loved to have known before I, I even took this job so that I could have been maybe a little pre more prepared for it to happen or to not have it happen. And, and you know, through that time, I, I've also been a high school referee in, in football. And I did that for 15 years. And that probably was the one thing that had saved my life is roughing a football game and actually having the symptoms come upon me during roughing. And uh, so of all the things that I've ever encountered in my career, that probably was the thing that probably stands out the most to me. It was a wake up call and, and it was a blessing in disguise uh, of, of how to live my life since then. So, so were you officiating when you had the heart attack or were you a I had some, or was it during a game? I was, I had refed three games the week that I had had it. Um, and the symptoms had came on during two of those games. It was a, it was a JV, it was a freshman game at Helper Junior High, a JV game, actually it was three games, a uh, JV game at uh, Emory High School and uh, a varsity game at South Severe. I remember them vividly and it just seemed weird. And, and, and then the symptoms got worse on Saturday and I finally went to the doctor and uh, four stents later, I was a brand new human being. So hmm. it was not something that I would wish on anyone. But like I said, in my case, it, it, it was it was truly something that uh, uh, made me change some of the way I live my life a lot. So. Sure. Why don't you share with our audience, both here in Utah and nationally, uh, the journey that uh, you took when you're one of the few public schools that instituted drug testing policy and maybe the positives that came from it, the headaches that came with it, that type of thing. That was, uh, that was a difficult process because we had to have, we had to go through a long process with our district to even get it implemented. But once we got it implemented, uh, probably the most frustrating thing about it is, is there's a, the law basically states it has to be random. So a coach can't come in and say, I want these three kids tested. You can't do that. Uh, you know, and, and that was probably the most frustrating thing for all of us was we know we have some kids that are probably doing something they shouldn't be doing that we just want to know for sure. We couldn't do that. Um, but for the most part in my time there uh, with all the drug testing, I don't think we probably had more than three or four positives during the, the, the last eight or 10 years that we've done it at Carbon High. And uh, it's been a good thing. I don't know that it's been a deterrent because I do think that some kids try to cheat the system. Uh, sure. And we've tried everything we can. We had tried everything that we could to try and, and, and to stop that. But obviously you can't catch everybody. So, uh, but I think for most kids, it's, it, it's worked out well. Uh, the other frustrating part was it's random, but if a kid plays multiple sports, that kid could be tested four or five times a year. And if, if it's a kid that you know isn't doing that, you still have to test them. And so that, that became a little bit frustrating, but overall, I felt like it was a good process. Uh, I just wish that there was a little bit better way of doing it so we could do it a little more often and uh, make it not so randomized, but I understand the Supreme Court's ruling on that for sure. Understandable. So explain to our audience how, I mean, obviously you had the district's uh, 
the district had your back on this, but did they, was it 100% funded for the high school? Or I would assume the district had to come up with some funds and maybe it was obviously more than just at your high school down to junior high level. I don't know. So it was the, the testing itself was just done at the high school. And what we did is we added a fee. Uh, so our, our pay to play fee at the time was 60 bucks. And so we added a $5 fee for the drug testing and that went into the drug testing uh, uh, payment the, the, where, where we kept that money. Um, and so that $5 was applied to help the, pay for each of the tests. And we would have an independent contractor come in and actually perform the, the test so we didn't have to. So we would have an administrator sit in the hallway with the students that were getting the test to make sure that they weren't uh, doing anything that they shouldn't be doing. And then we'd send them into the tester and the tester would, would uh, go ahead and do the test for them, have them do the test in the bathroom. And uh, it worked out a lot better that way uh, than having an administrator have to wait in the, the bathroom area to get the sample so that we right. can test off. So. Well, my next question would have been, did you have an outside person come in? Because I would think you would almost have to do that. Absolutely, we did. That there may be flaws if you had the high school personnel doing that, and then right. the community might be more up in arms. Right. Well, in the, you know, the $5 that we charged per kid, I think the tests were 6 or $7. And so that $5, every kid pays the $5. You obviously have money enough to do that. We would, we would pull between 15 and 20 names between, depending on what was going on at that time of the year, um, as, as our random number of students. We'd send their student numbers to them. They'd generate a random sample, and then those numbers would come back to us. We'd call the kids out and send them down, and then they'd do the, they would do the testing. So it worked out, worked out quite well. And it's uh, last year we didn't probably get as many tests done because of COVID, uh, and I, I, I'm assuming that they're still doing it because it it, it was a, it was a viable situation for us. Okay, let's move to a different topic now and share your journey with the with the Utah Association. And by that I mean, obviously there was a time when you came to your first conference, but then. Uh, you became obviously more involved because you spent uh, years as a great leader on our executive committee. You became certified when it's not mandatory. So speak to that journey. Well, first, I, I, my first uh, conference that I attended was before I was the athletic director. So that spring before I actually took over, uh, the principal at the, at the uh, time, um, Greg Stanfield, he was an athletic director at uh, Grantsville High School for a while, and then he became our principal. Um, he said, let's go. So I went with him and uh, had a good time. I, I didn't realize there was that much, there, were, there was that many things that went on at one of those conferences. So I, I really had a good time, learned a lot. Uh, then I became the AD and I, I, I got involved as an ADEC, a member of the ADEC, and got, a, got an opportunity to experience that and uh, learned a lot from what went on on that committee. Uh, and then every, every conference that I've been to, I've, I've tried to take one of the courses uh, and, and those courses really help a lot. They help you in your everyday dealings with, with parents and students and the things that you have to do as an athletic director to, uh, to be successful in this position. So I would strongly recommend that for anybody that's never been to make sure that they're the only conference that I really haven't been to is the national one. And I, that always would happen during the weeks that we were involved in our season. So I wasn't able to do that, but uh, uh, I will, that is something that's on my 
my list of things to do here in the coming future. So maybe now that uh, you're at Juan Diego, maybe uh, maybe Gabe Colosimo will say, "Hey, you need to go to the national conference. It's only in Denver." You know, and uh, that is in Denver this year. Uh, I'm finding too that there's another association out there for Catholic high schools, Catholic high school athletic association, and then uh, I've I've attended one of a Zoom meeting that they had a, a couple of weeks ago, and excellent. They they do a lot of good things too. So I, and it's. I think anytime you can educate yourself about what other people are doing in the in, in similar types of schools, I think it helps you uh, become a better leader in your school. And then the UIAAA conference has obviously done that for me and, and for, for anybody that's ever been there. So I appreciate that and, and, and the time that I've, I've been able to attend. Let me follow up then uh, with the certification. So what I know that there's verbiage in the UHSAA handbook that they strongly suggest that an athletic director become certified, but you became certified before that language was even in there. And so obviously one of the people that are self-driven and, and seen the benefits. So talk about your certification journey for a minute. That was, it's quite a process. I mean, you, you have to get the number of, of hours and everything, the points that you need to, to get it done. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not so hard that you can't do it. And it's something that you have to want to do. Um, I, I think it's just like anything, if, if you wanna be a good, uh, a good teacher, uh, you have to continually doing, be doing things to make yourself better at, at, at that profession. And that's the same thing as an athletic director. By becoming certified, I think that makes this, this job a little more concrete and it makes people look at it a different way. Oh, he's certified in what he's doing, so he, he he must know what's going on. And I think that's important in any profession. If you're not certified with what you're doing, you're, you're, you're probably doing that job a disservice. And, and I felt like it was important for me to get certified uh, and, and, and get to where I'm at right now. So that, that helped, that actually helped me get this job too, because it was one of the requirements. Excellent. Share with our audience, what's one common myth about being an athletic administrator that you want to debunk? Uh, I think probably the biggest myth out there is there's not enough, there's not enough work for you to, to solidify the fact that it needs to be a full-time position. And I think that's, that's wrong 100% of the time. I look back at what I did for the last 10 years at Carver Hyde, being a math teacher, being the athletic director and being a head basketball coach and only having two periods at the end of the day to get everything done. I don't know how I got everything done after I've been sitting in this office for three months. I just look back at that going, wow, that was, that was just, I don't know how I did it, but it, uh, it makes a difference when you're full time because there's so much more you can do for students, so much more you can do for your coaches and so many other things that you can go get done that somebody else may have had to do for you while you were sitting in a classroom. So the biggest myth is if you don't have a full-time AD in your building, you probably need one. No, let me echo that. And, and let's hope that every principal in the state of Utah hears this podcast and, and yeah. does something about it. I agree. What's the favorite part of your job, Ted? I mean, I come to work every, you know, there are some jobs that you sit in and you wake up in the morning and go, oh, crap, I have to go to work today. I get up every morning, whether I'm driving from Price to come up here or I've stayed up here overnight and I tell myself every day, man, you get to go to work today. That's going to be fun. And so the favorite parts of my job, number one, are dealing with the kids. I think the kids are the number one reason why we are here. And uh, it's something that uh, 
if you're not here for kids and you shouldn't be doing the job. Uh, and, and then working with the coaches. I, we have a lot of great coaches and uh, trying to help them get through maybe some problems that they're having. Those are the funnest parts of the job. The paperwork and stuff like that, that gets monotonous for anybody. But, but the people that you deal with, the associations that you make, that's the funnest part of being an athletic director, in my opinion. Yeah, well said. Let me let Malik take a follow-up question with that. Now, you mentioned driving it for price. So do you have an apartment in the Draper area? Do you drive I, I have, from price have, every day or do you still live I in price? I, I do. My wife's still working down there. So she's still got a few more years before she can retire. So we're, I'm doing the, the commute. Uh, I have places to stay up here when I need to. Uh, but on the days that we don't have activities in the evenings, I, I drive back and, and, and go home. And I have an assistant up here that lives up here right next to the school. So that helps too. So, but it's the commute's not too bad. That's got to be an early price. morning drive to get to Juan Diego by seven. If you're leaving price. And I, and I have a really good boss that's, that's flexible with my time. And he, uh-huh. I mean, he's Gailey Colosmo is he's, he's an awesome man. And he does, he does a great job with this school and uh, he's the right man for, to run a school like this and he's the success that they've had is because of his leadership in my opinion so well and i, I don't know Gaby well i i knew his brother john well from coaching all those years and uh, when he was a judge and then obviously at juan diego you you haven't experienced then the soldier summit in the winter that may or may not be an issue uh, well i have it i have it i have uh I have experienced Soldier Summit in the winter through my other travels from Price sure. on this way. So I, mm-hmm. I, I know I know what I'm in for, but it's like I said, it's in my mind, it's well worth it. I, I, I love what I'm doing and it's this has been a great change for me. All right, Ted, let me ask you this. You're speaking to a new athletic administrator, someone between one and four years on the job, and you're going to give them some advice of two things two suggestions that they absolutely need in order for them to become a successful athletic director, what would those two things be? The first one would be uh, don't take the job if you're not willing to put in the time. <laughs> I, I, you know, for me, uh, and, and I know that very well, on, on the days, um, there's days that I don't need to be here all day, and that those are the days that I go home. But the days that I do, I make sure that I have a place to stay and I'm here so that I can, I can be here throughout the night and do my job. So number one, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. And so if you're not willing to put in that time, don't do it. Uh, the second suggestion would be anytime you make a decision, the first thing you got to ask yourself is what am I, is what I'm doing going to be best for kids? If what you do is not going to be best for your kids then don't do it. And I think that's extremely important as anybody in education. If, if you're not doing what's best for kids, you shouldn't be doing it because that's they're the number one priority in a, in a profession like this. And I don't care if you're the athletic director at a middle school, a high school, or at a college. If what you're doing is not best for those constituents, then you better change your mind and find a different way to do it, in my opinion. So that's kind and of let me ask I, you. Let me ask you a question that wasn't on the talking points. Speak for a moment. I know that you had a daughter that won a scholarship from the UIAAA. So this is... This is my plug for the UIAAA scholarship and talk about that and talk about how that's made a difference to her because I know she's going to school out of state. Yeah, she's she's in Ottawa, Kansas. She's playing basketball and golf while she's there and, and doing quite well in school. And uh, the scholarship was huge for her. I mean, she was 
she put a lot of time and effort into uh, writing her essay and doing those things. And I, I think, I think the requirements that we make for that scholarship are extremely important because it does make kids look back and reflect on what they've done in high school and can, can actually paint a picture of, man, I actually accomplished a lot while I was here. And, you know, she's, when she was writing her essay, she, she was, I think she got a little teary eyed one day about it because it just brought back a lot of great memories. And uh, uh, I appreciate that very much because it did help, uh, you know, it did help her in her, her endeavors of wanting to earn a college degree and, and participate in college athletics. Let's finish up with this question, Ted. What question should I have asked you that I failed to ask you? Uh, you, you asked, you, I'm glad you sent me that uh, email last night because I don't know if I could have got that one off the spot. So I did a lot of thinking about that. And I, and I came up with, uh, where do you see high school sports headed in the future? Okay, so where do you see? Because it obviously it's changed so much in the past 15 or even 10 years. Where do you see it in the next five or 10 years? I think if we're not careful, and we don't promote what we're doing at the high school level, uh, we could end up losing some of our sports to club sports and, and people moving in that direction. And I, that would be a travesty in my opinion. I think the education-based activities that we're allowing these student, students to uh, compete in and perform in is so important and integral in the success of their lives. And I think we need to do everything we can to promote high school sports and activities and keep our kids moving in that direction. We can work hand in hand with club sports uh, and, and, and kids can do both. Uh, but I do think it's extremely important that uh, we have a voice at the table when it comes to uh, what we offer, how we offer it, and what we do to, to enhance the growth of, of a child's education. Excellent. We're going to leave it on that thought. This concludes another episode of the UIAAA Connection. Once again, our guest today has been Ted Bianco. Certified Athletic Administrator at Juan Diego Catholic High School. Ted, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. For our listeners, we hope you tune in again next week for another edition of the UIAAA Connection. 